Hello, everyone, and welcome to Euphoria Season 4, Episode 4. Our guest today is going to be none other than Whippo. Uh, we're available on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. Spotify mm. is the last one. We got, we got it. We got it on lock. I've definitely done this before. We're back from break week. Uh, had a good time on the break. We're ready to get into the thick of things. We'll keep you updated on bets as we move forward. The Perks bet is the one that we're going to resolve today. Uh, our cosplays are on the way. Quickshot will eventually get his Naruto frog tattoo. Maybe. Well, he'll get it, or he's going on the wall of shame um, where he belongs. Anyway, Bupo, you're here. I'm, I just came back from vacation. How are you? Did you get you get some time off? Did you get a break? Yeah, we got a few days off. Nice, man. Did you do anything fun? You ch- are you just chilling in Berlin? Uh, we were. I was just mostly chilling in Berlin with my girlfriend, trying to figure out the last parts of our apartment, which fortunately are going our way for once, considering... Yeah. Is there is there like if you like what are the struggles? Give me like give me like the the TLDR on the on the apartment struggles. I mean, honestly, like just everything. This <laughs> is always a struggle. Like even the things that are going right are a struggle because you have to do like a lot of effort to make it work. Yeah. Like to get it what you want to be. So finally, uh, my kitchen it works. So that's great. Nice. Um, yeah, that was basically the main thing. Just making sure our kitchen works. Everything else we already set up. So. Fortunately for me, I have a working living environment back home, and uh, <laughs> it's quite nice. Nice, man. Well, I'm glad you got your apartment sorted. Did you do the the IKEA furniture thing? Did you face the trials oh, and tribulations yes, yes, of yes, IKEA yes. furniture? The kitchen, however, I did not build. But I made sure <laughs> they came in and built that for me because that would have been a disaster. <laughs> I think we've all been there. I think that's the, with probably the most talked about, like outside of League of Legends, uh, subject on this podcast is like the misery of building Ikea furniture, especially as more and more pro I mean, players honestly, get apartments. I mean, it's not that bad. Like, uh, my girlfriend's like really smurfs for some reason. I don't know how, I don't know how she's that good at it. I always, I always, without fail, mess it up. And then this is the hard part about Ikea furniture. It's not building it. It's the fact that when you mess up, you realize you messed up and you have to go reverse and then do it again right. <laughs> this is the worst part about it. This is where I, no matter what, fell at least twice. I feel you. I've, I've built a, a lot of Ikea furniture in the past two years with my apartment finally coming together as well. Um, all right, so break week's here. Let's cast our minds back a week ago. Riff Rivals happened. Mm. Fnatic, of course, the heroes of Europe with a with a 4-1 record overall. Yeah. Less than we can say for G2, who lost in the best of five. God damn it, Reminds G2. me of last year. It's just, they the have, they're, they're doomed to lose one game <laughs> in a best of five uh, pretty much forever. But how how did you feel about it? Like overall thoughts mm-hmm. on the tournament? Did you feel good about it? Was it how did you like LA? Like what yeah. what stood out to you? What was important to you from Rift Rivals? Um, well, not nothing much really. Yeah, uh, I mean, fair. I think my biggest problem with the tournament is that the reason why it started was to encourage more international competition, which is a reasonable like it's a reasonable thing, right? Fans want to see more international competition, see how the regions stack up against each other. But then you have a format where we fly in to play three best of ones and then a best of five where you get maybe one, maybe two games. So you're basically flying in for a whole week to play a minimum of four games and a maximum of five. And you're just like, is that really worth it? Like, just from that point of view alone, I'm not going to talk about the jet lag or anything like this. Is it really worth to play five games? Is that even accurate? Was it, can you tell? So, from your perspective, was it worth it for you? Did you get? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think I got over the jet lag and whatnot. It's just you, you get pulled. You get pulled out of your rhythm, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Whole, the whole system you got going for you. What hours you're practicing? Um, just everything really gets changed. Even some, like, and to a little extent, the meta, right? Like, NA teams have a different idea of what they think is good, and you have to adapt to that as you go. So, in general, you just get kind of nudged out of the competition. 
and put in a different competition. And then you're just hoping when you go back to fit in that you're still where you once were. So all in all, I don't think it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I just think the execution is awful. I think, if anything, Rift Rival should be um, treated as something like MSI. Yeah. In the sense that maybe you have teams two, three, and four compete. You know, yeah. and then you have straight after MSI Rift Rivals with teams two, three, and four. That way, the first te- first place team also gets to um, take a break or a longer break. And in that sense, the idea of more international competition makes sense because you already see the number one teams competing, but now you also see number two, three, and four competing, right? Because that was the initial idea behind having Rift Rivals be a thing is international competition. So, yeah, maybe the quality won't be as good as MSI in terms of high-level League of Legends, but that that's not the point. The point is, yeah. is people want to see how the lower end teams are doing at that point in time. I'm I'm personally a fan of the Thrift Rivals pitch where it's teams like eight, nine, and ten. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean that could be funny too, but I feel like that's like that's low key well, BM. No, yeah. no, 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 not at all. I mean, it's just more like I feel like at that point you're making it more of a meme, which is like where we're in the middle right now. We're like in the middle of okay, we're bringing good teams, but we're not taking it very seriously in terms of competition. At least that's how it feels, you know. The two v twos for the site selection, I feel like that's just fan service. That's not really actually a thing. That is absolutely fan service. But that's what I'm saying. So like, <laughs> if we're gonna like chuck in that much fan service, which we are right now, right? Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of fan service going on in revivals. Then you're not really making it. Uh, a real thing and at that point yeah I think you can just chuck in places 8, 9 and 10 and just go in for the laughs right or just have games or just have us play Earth or ARAM <laughs> or whatever and just call it a day yeah it does I agree that it floats in this weird space between like all stars and a serious tournament and, yeah. it, and I, I don't I'm not a super big fan of that but I do think that like I think that it definitely we'll see if it improves in the future and what the decisions are around it because it's in an awkward spot. I like that it's an yeah. international competition with with I am Katowice no longer happening. I like that something kind of took the place there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it was more compelling in the past when Europe wasn't smashing, but when you end up in the situation where one reason is like head and shoulders better than the other, it's an even I mean, bigger even, feels even bad. then, I think it's important that there's more games. Like at yeah. least that way, there, there's upsets possible, right? Like even now, we we all like I think every EU team lost once at least, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is not much, but you know, let's say you have a few more best of ones, then there's more room for for people to mess around and 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 find other strategies that could be good. So all in all, just bigger volume of games if we're going to move there anyway. Like, I think we could have doubled the games per day. Or, like, we could have spread out the games and had one, maybe, uh, at least one more play play day where we could have had another, like, four or five games. And that would have been more worth it because that that way we play, like, what, five or six games per team? So, are you talking right now, just just to clarify, are you talking right now from, like, a a, a tournament aspect? Like, this is what you think is better for the tournament? Would you have enjoyed that more as a player? Would that have made it better for you? Obviously not. (laughs) Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like... Um, I have nothing against it. It's just the fact that whoever has to move is basically kind of getting trolled. Because they're the ones that have to go change ecosystem, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And you have to find scrims against other teams. Like I explained, right? It's different meta, different this, different If your origin, you lose your luggage, you have to... Oh, yeah, I lost my luggage too, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just... With all the inconveniences that come with it, Mm -hmm. it's kind of annoying. Yeah. I would rather play it on a LAN event and I would rather like just take the 100 ping. Like, I'll just do it. Like I would much rather this and just <laughs> bang out five or six games and just call it a day than have to spend my entire week doing that. Because it just, it felt bad because, you know, like I said, I was getting my apartment together and I just got pulled out of that rhythm as well. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to see my girlfriend either and it, was, it just felt bad. Like it was, 
I didn't really feel like I was going there for a real purpose either. Yeah. So I couldn't even tell myself, "Is you know what? I'm leaving home, and you know, I'm I'm leaving her at home for a good reason. I'm just gone for. Just... I'm just there to basically get bragging rights that no one actually cares about. <laughs> That's the thing, right? If the if the tournament had some kind of prestige to it, <laughs> I would get it. But I'm not gonna walk up and be like, or put it on my resume: Rift Rivals 2018 and 2019 champion. That is not something you do. No one cares. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's just embarrassing, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, if winning the tournament is embarrassing, I feel like there's a problem. All right. Well, I, I love... Uh, thank you for, one, being so open about how you feel about the tournament and also suggesting alternatives. I think it's always cool to get, like, yeah. pro perspective about, like, what you think actually makes the tournament better and also you taking a step back from your personal opinion, which is just like, I don't want to go to this thing. I mean... <laughs> but I'm glad that you got the off week. I'm glad that we took the break week and that... While yeah. I know it is like an inconvenience and it does pull you out of your life, I'm glad that you did at least get the time to put your kitchen together and, and hopefully <laughs> yeah, go thanks. back into the normal swing. Um, and it's normal also just Solo queue, you know, like, I mean, not gonna lie, NA Solo queue is awful, right? Everyone knows. And half of the reason is the ping. Don't get me wrong. I don't have anything against the players or whatnot. You know, like, honestly, in terms of quality of players, like, yeah, people say the difference is huge and whatnot. But at a certain point, you know, people are gonna run it down in both servers. That's just how it is in every server, really. So, just a ping, man. Like, it's just so demotivating. Like, Really? The 60 ping is that big? No, but it's just like, it's just really frustrating when, when you know it hit you, right? When you know it actually made a difference. Like, for example, you're playing against a Sushiwani, she chucks her ult at you, you try to flash it, it doesn't go. Or Alistar combos you, and you obviously can flash this, right? Yeah. But because of the ping, you're too late, and you die. And it's just like, well, that's just really shit. <laughs> that's just really, really shit. I didn't need to die there, and that completely influenced my game, right? Like, it made a yeah. huge difference when normally, in a lower ping environment, I should be able to handle this, right? I can flash this. And that's what feels bad, because sometimes they're in crucial moments. Like, let's say you have a 35-minute game, Alistar flash combos you, you're ready to flash it, ping comes in. Well, that's just, just not doomed. cool. Like, that's just not cool. So... It's just frustrating because after that, you don't feel like playing, right? I don't yeah. want to queue up another game and be like, yeah, 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 let, yeah. Let, like let's, let's get 60 elements ping out of my yeah. control. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, again, you know, you can argue, oh, you should have pre flashed it. What's this? You know, like, whoa, 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 what is that? No, I, what, I want what? to react to it when I see it. And if I don't have ping that's low enough, I can't react to it. I have to predict it, which is a skill in its own right. But it's not something I want to rely on when I know I can react to it. All right. I mean, that's, I hear the 60 ping thing a lot. That's the first time that someone's really put it into a tangible example, though. Yeah, um, but also, that's like that's yeah. like good, right? That, that like makes a lot more sense because obviously, what are you going to train the skill of pre-flashing that you would never use on yeah, a stage? Exactly. Right. I, I don't want to predict that my, the enemy starts flashing in on me, then flash nothing, and then have him flash on someone else, and then lose the fight. <laughs> and that's just like, oh well, that sucks. All right, well, give me. Did you at least like LA? Did you have like good food? Did you I have mean, like give me like one positive <laughs> positive experience from your trip? Right, other than good food. I mean, you can give me good food. What was the best food you had in LA? Uh, this time around, honestly, I, don't, I didn't really go out of my way to get like great food or anything. I mm. just had some, some of the local stuff. I think like the biggest difference between LA is definitely the portion size. Yeah. I feel like that's America in general though. Yeah, for sure. As, a, as I an mean, American. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me test my portions are... Yeah, if you yeah. get a small portion, you're like, you're confused. You're like, did I order an appetizer? Like, what is yeah, this? Yeah, I mean... It's just, it's all around, I'm sure it's a nice place to live, but I feel like the biggest problem I have with it is that you have to move everywhere by car. I, I feel agree. like Europe has this huge advantage where you can walk to wherever you want and you're going to be fine. Or sure, it might be, transport, it yeah. might take 10 or 15 minutes to walk or five minutes on the bus, but that's much better than having to get an Uber or drive around the entire time, especially for someone that doesn't really like cars. Like, 
I don't yep. mind, but uh, after like three or four car rides, I'm pretty much me and my stomach agree. Let's not go on another car ride. No, I agree, dude. I get super motion sick. Yeah, I have to, like yeah, sit in the I front seat, and I'm an awkward guy sitting next to the Uber driver, not talking in the front seat. I mean, honestly, like, that is the, <laughs> that is the advantage. I think that's one of the nice things about LA is that everyone's more talkative, and you can actually yeah. have a decent conversation with True. the driver. Yeah, German German cabs are their own special brand of yeah, but struggle. it's also it's also language barrier, right? I feel like some of them do try to talk to me in German, and I'm just like trying to puzzle a, My, a yeah, sentence I, together. I definitely puzzle box a sentence. You're like, I'm gonna just jam some words together and hope for the exactly. best. Yeah, that's not. You're right. That's not their fault. That's our own. But sometimes I agree. They are also. It's, they also it goes both ways. Yeah, they also really love to just intermittently slam on the gas and the brake. Like they either have to oh, hardcore accelerate or hardcore yeah. brake for everything. <laughs> German cabbies, this is for you. All right, we'll leave it there. Riff Rivals, we'll call it a meh overall. Maybe not the learning experience or the international competitive experience you wanted it to be. But in local news, before mm. you guys left, you're coming off of a high. You beat G2 mm. quite handily. You solo killed Caps. It was a wonderful thing to watch. And before we talk about... Um, <laughs> yeah, he kind of just entered into you, didn't he? Um, before we talk about that match, what it means, where your team stands, um, you won me a bet. Right, Mr. Man. You're the <laughs> clearest example because you solo killed Caps. Um, and now we get to dress perks up and we have a box of props over here. So if mm. you'd like to join me, we can we can dress up our brand new perks cardboard cutout. Um, you have three now. We have, yeah. we're, we're building a collection. By the end of the year, we'll we'll, maybe behind. we'll get a bet. We'll get a bet with you. <laughs> we, like, Caps is... He's a 50-50, you know? He was Fanatic, and now he's G2. We need, we need uh, actually, another Fanatic uh, member. I guess. We gotta get Nemesis. We get you. We need a top laner out there. We're trying to build a full team. We have two AD carries, which is a mistake. So, join me. All right, let's go. What's the best we got? We don't have extra mics, so you're gonna have to... If you're in video land, enjoy this experience. If you're in podcast land, there's just gonna be, like, awkward scuffling for 30 seconds. Most you can ask for. All right. All right. I hope All right. I did him uh, justice. I don't know if we'll keep that interlude in, but if what you've missed is Perks now has the dog suit from the dog bet last year, the LEC chain, and a pair of cat ears. He looks great. He looks, yeah. I don't know, a little bit like a furry, which makes, which makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, there yeah. you go. We'll redress him up every week. Thank you, Whippo, for helping. Um, You're welcome. We need more props. Suggest things message uh, me on Twitter or at Law Esports, wherever you want to go. feels kind of bad, though, because I, I respect it, you know? He just comes on the show and he's like, we're going 18-0. But, like, it's a pretty soft bet, right? Either way, there's a Perks cardboard cut out on the set. It's just, is it going to yeah, look ridiculous yeah, every mean, week from now until okay, the end okay, of time? Okay. He gets to be there with, with his, <laughs> with reckless and caps. It's just, he always has to look more fashionable, I guess is how we do it. All right, so back to the, back to the actual Actual focus, the actual topic at hand. Let's talk a little bit about that win. Obviously, mm. it looks good for you guys. Uh, it feels super one-sided. G2 has, like, one or two cool plays. Caps has yeah. the, like, follow Nemesis play, the one where, or when he walks in mid lane and just kind of gets that quick kill. But otherwise, mm. it's like, you do not see a lot from G2, and it looks like you guys are 100% in the driver's seat. How did that feel? What was that game like from your perspective? Um, Honestly, after the kill... Uh, and then the second one, right? Obviously, the game started off on a good note. Yeah, yeah. Um, but straight after that, I kind of messed up a few trades in lane, and I almost died. <laughs> so that, no one noticed, right? So no yeah. one was like, oh my god, Caps is coming back. But he actually was. Um, but I was too far ahead at that point. I didn't actually end up getting punished. I think I stumbled a creep twice. 
Big this is something if I watch Roby, you would you would see, you know, <laughs> no one commented on it, you know, so I'm like, oh, yeah, because you won the game. But trust me, yeah. if you lost, there would be a lot of, ooh, what yeah, yeah, was yeah. I, I ran it down in a few trades and um, I almost died, but I was too far ahead, so I didn't. And then I TP'd back and it was basically smooth sailing from then because like, at a certain point when Nexon hits level six uh, against the lanes I was playing against, it was just like, at that point, I think I can press R and only Q and just yeah. wait until his health bar hits zero and then press W, I'll still win. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, at that point, uh, I just needed to survive till six, and I almost failed that. So, honestly, I, I felt kind of scary from that point. But once I hit six, level seven ish, then it was somewhat smooth sailing. I feel like communication between me and Brox was really good in the early game, and in the sense that I made sure that he was there when I wanted him, mm. which is like a big deal and a big reason why we were winning. Um, he played a really good game, so he was always there when we communicated, and we we were very aware where we wanted to play. Um, because I, obviously with the advantage we got early game <clears throat> on the top side of the map, we were able to snowball that and then yeah, end the game, really. Really, yeah, take over the game completely. Uh, and, you know, a fantastic look for Fnatic and denying, as you already mentioned, the perfect split from G2 and, so, you know, solidifying yourself to be mm -hmm. on that road. God, 6-0. Six 6-0. Zero. Six zero. It's a crazy wow. place to be. Um, but I think one of the big sentiments that came out of this, partially because you were killing people at, like, level 1, level 2, was there's a lot of people, and a lot of G2 fans especially, I think, rising up to be like, ah, yeah, yeah but G G2 are trolling. How much, <laughs> how, much do you, how much do you feel like there's this credence to that? Like, do you, you've played against G2 a decent amount. Like, do you feel like this was, was there anything different about this game? What, did this game feel loose, or do you feel like that's just, like, BS to, to save face? I mean, it is straight bullshit. <laughs> like, let's be real. Okay. Look at it from this perspective. Yes, they did mess up, but it's not our responsibility and it doesn't take away from our game. Yeah. Just because they played not very good doesn't mean that they are void of responsibility for for the fact that they didn't play good. Right. Yeah. That is what I think my problem is with that argument. Mm -hmm. I agree. They didn't play a good game of League of Legends. You're not supposed to die at level one on any champion, really, in any matchup. And again, I did it too. Uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, Singe game. Uh <coughs> no, I, I yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. don't remember that one at all. That one wasn't <laughs> yeah, super that hilarious. Yeah, was the opening to <laughs> last year. And not, not as great for me. But um, you see, like, again, it is 100% my fault, right? And that's, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. It is 100% their responsibility not to have mistakes like that happen. And yeah. at that point, you can say, yeah, they didn't play a good game. And I agree, you can say that. But saying that they were trolling or playing, you know, playing for fun is just stupid. They just yeah. didn't play well. You can end the sentence there and you're not lying. You're not making anything up. When you're saying that, oh, they're trolling or they didn't take it seriously, I think you're just making excuses. Yeah. I'm sure they were trying to win that game. And after a certain point, they realized, you know what? This game is really down the shitter. We're not going to win this one. Sure. I can see that. I fully respect people admitting that. And honestly, it's true. That game was doomed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't load into that loading screen thinking, you know what? Let's take the piss and see what happens. And maybe I'll get solo killed level one. Haha. <laughs> That didn't happen. <laughs> I refuse to believe that they went to that game thinking, let's lose this one. So looking at that overall, I think that now coming out of that, the biggest the biggest discussion that we're just going to continue to have, whether it's on the broadcast, whether it's on like Reddit or Twitter, is who is the best team yeah. in Europe right now, right? And inevitably the discussion mm. will, is pretty much exclusively Fnatic versus G2. I think a lot of people still consider Origin a contender, but obviously yeah. they don't have the games to show it yet. Uh, they've had a pretty difficult schedule. So what's, what's your take? Um, do you feel like, I think best of five is always the easiest example to yeah. decide who the better team is. So do you think yeah. that Fnatic can beat G2 right now? I think we can take games off of them, but right now I feel like they have too much under their sleeve. Mm. I think we need 
a bit of uh, I don't want to say cheese, but you know, you know what I mean when I say yeah, cheese, right? Yeah, you like, need, some, you need mean, something special. Yeah, you need so, some. We need some strategies. extra stuff. You know, we have a few. Like I yeah. think we we definitely are ready to beat like to take on a team in a best of five. But again, I think that saying that we're confidently going to beat them in a best of five right now is a bit of an overstatement. Um, maybe right now, if we played right now, I could see it happen because again, they're not one hundred percent on form either. Um, that said, it's just a matter of meta, definitely. Because yeah. again, we did just come out from, we're in the Siver Zaya meta, or were yeah. at least. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to change with the Essence Weaver changes and whatnot, but yeah. you know, that's obviously advantage for us. <laughs> um, so all in all, it's just a matter of where's the meta standing? How much mm. value can we get from our important lanes? Because all in all, I think that um, in terms of solo lanes, nothing should happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Nemesis is going to break under caps or anything like that. I think you can handle him just fine in lane. Same goes for me into Wonder. I don't think it's a discussion of who's the better player at that stage when mm -hmm. you actually match up against each other. Sure, one of them could be like, you can make the argument that Wonder is a better top laner than I am. I can 100% agree with that based on history. But I don't think the difference is big enough that I'm going to be a liability for my team. That said, <clears throat> it just depends. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a lot of factors outside of the game that will definitely influence a matchup like this, where if the players are good enough at a certain level that draft actually makes a difference. Because I feel For like sure. this is an excuse that a lot of teams have, right? It's like, oh, the draft is bad or this or that. And I personally don't like looking at draft for this reason because, again, yeah, the draft is a problem. It can be a problem, but is the draft the reason why you make X huge mistake, yeah, right? Sure. You can blame it on that, but is that really why you made that mistake? Is, is, is usually the problem I have with people blaming the draft. But in this type of matchup, I can see that having a good draft or a winning draft will obviously and be I think, good. <clears throat> I think for me, the thing that's interesting about draft is so often people are like, oh yeah, we had a bad draft here, but it's like one of, one of G2's strengths from an outside perspective is people can talk about these crazy champion pools and how, how great it is. But the reality is that just gives them such a huge advantage <laughs> in draft. So when you say like, <laughs> Wow, Grabs outdrafted that guy. I'm like, well, yes, Grabs has 20 more pieces on the board than that guy. Like, if Grabs <laughs> doesn't outdraft that guy, well, maybe not always, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. that's the exception, though, right? Like, it yeah. feels like G2 comes in with that that distinct advantage in draft. Um, and and obviously, once again, Meta can change this. It's a new patch. There's new yep. picks, but G2 has at least in recent uh, recent months always had the edge in terms of what they're willing to flex, what they're willing to put um, in crazy positions that just haven't been seen yet. Well, that's the thing, and I think that's a big deal. But it's also finding the right answers into it is important. Like, you know they're going to pick a Kali. Like, if they pick a Kali Aurelia, like, at this point, it's not really a surprise, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm the only person that knows Renekton does well into both. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm the only guy that picked Renekton into it. People really like Rumble right now. You, you forgot. We're a Rumble yeah, region Yeah, now. but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I get it, right? <laughs> you want to beat G2. Like, you want to win. Can we at least acknowledge that winning early game is the important part? of beating G2. Because again, I don't think they're a bad early game team by any means, but they're definitely not a team that wins through straight early game. They win through laning phase, and this is not something that happens straight from the early game. Mm. You don't just, they don't just smash their lane in five minutes. No, they do in 15 minutes, right? Yeah. So if you can pick a lane that can do the opposite, that's going to be pretty good for you, right? Because again, honestly, their strongest point is mid game, in my opinion. They're yeah. scary in the early game because again, they're draft. That's why they're scary in the early game because they're getting good matchups and that's going to bleed into the mid-game and then make them significantly stronger than you. But if you can temper that by picking strong, neutral champions, such as Renekton, 
that's one of their strengths that you're kind of neutralizing, right? And I feel like that's something that I'm, I'm surprised I have to, you know, I'm surprised no one brings this up, right? Yeah. Because doesn't that just make sense? If a team that wins through draft, or doesn't win through draft, but ha- gains advantages through draft, draft why don't yeah. you pick champions that neutralize that advantage? Seems like a logical thing to do. And don't get me wrong. I, you bring up Rumble. Rumble's kind of like that. Uh, he does have that, that R outplay button in the sense that he just presses R on the wave and presses B. You don't get to put press an advantage on him all that much, but still. I feel like it's a point of discussion that nobody really brings up when they think about drafting against G2. Hmm. I think as long as we're on the topic of, of G2, uh, as long as we're taking a step away from Fnatic for a moment, I'm curious, do you think, you, you said you're very confident that for you and Nemesis, it's not like there's going to be these huge disadvantages. Yeah. Um, and you're thinking about this Renekton pick. Do you think some of those options that you're bringing up, like the Renekton, just aren't as viable when you aren't confident in your players to survive mm, a lane versus no. one caps? Are there players... It should be the opposite. Yeah. I think if you're not confident, you should probably pick a laner that's like really just safe and strong. Yeah. yeah, just pick a strong laner. Um, I think if you're confident and your players can get away with something, then you pick scaling champions and just try to do the opposite, right? You try to pick a champion that will outperform mid to late as long as they're not too far behind. Mm. But if you're just like, you know what? There's two ways of looking at it, right? You're either, okay, I, I'm going to pick Rannikton and put this guy in the ground or you're going to pick Rannikton and be like, all right, if I don't put him in the ground, at least I'll be stronger. There like you go. For a significant portion of the game. I mean, it makes sense. I'm curious, how many teams in, in LEC right now do you think are confident enough in their solo laners to go toe-to-toe with Wonder and Caps? I think if you're not, then there's no point in trying to compete. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, like if you're not going to try and win, then what's the point in competing, right? Like, if you're just going to concede the fact that you're not going to play certain champions because they require you to contest the lane, maybe <laughs> just go home. You're not on YouTube. Please check out Bupo's facial expressions. You're, you're just literally a, a gold mine, dude. No, it's just <laughs> like I get it right. Everyone complains, oh, I play too aggressive, I trade too much. And I agree, you know, like, there is tempered aggression and there's a fine line between playing aggressive at the right times and not, yeah. right? There's a lot of variables. The jungler being the main one, everyone complains about him. No one likes him. He always comes into your lane and presses his smite button and somehow it kills you. <laughs> but ultimately, um, it is necessary to contest in this game, right? And it yeah. takes a good a good player to know when how to contest and it's a great player that knows when to contest, right? I feel like that's how I always told myself how to play the game is if I know how to contest, I'm a good player. If I know when to contest, I'm a great player. So then uh, talking about you, I mean, you talk about that uh, that kind of concept, kind of playing. It feels to me more like playing playing to win as opposed to playing not to lose, right? Yeah. Like playing to try and find those advantages. You talk about overstepping. How how much in your in terms of your development recently do you feel like have you gotten better at this, knowing when to go in, knowing when it? Because from an outside perspective, like obviously when you first joined the team, when you first came in on that first yeah. playoffs run, those were some those were some rough games. <laughs> Ultimately, didn't matter, right? Yeah, Ultimately, didn't I matter. Down a bit. Just, just despite whatever wonder yeah. can do in lane, your team still came out on top, right? And it feels like you have been getting better, but I think it's safe to say that people look at you as as that aggressive player, the yeah. guy who, if anyone is going to die in lane yeah. on a Fnatic lineup, without seeing the draft, you're like, it's probably Whippo. Yeah, <laughs> I respect that. Um, honestly, I feel like uh, there's a lot of variables to this too. Um, but ultimately, I admit that, like I said, I think it's the when that's the hard part, and I feel like this gets harder progressively as you play the game and you get to a higher level. There's more to it, right? Um, there's ways to cheat it and one of the reasons why it was easy to look better last year is because again um, an example of this split this happening was um, against Schalke it was this split I'm pretty sure yeah I was playing Silas mm. in the cannon I was going all in right at the same time every single lane on my team went all in so let's say my all in went 
completely to shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I run it down and I die. It wouldn't have mattered as much because my other lanes were getting advantages at the same time. Yeah. Now, fortunately for us, I was winning with Olaf on my side of the map and they were winning on the other side of the map. So that game snowballed out of control really fast. But that's an example of when uh, uncontrolled aggression can still pay off even though you get punished. Yeah. Is when your teammates are getting advantages, right? And that's something that people don't really look at all too often and I respect that, right? Yeah, it's I think not smart for me to do that. I can have my teammates do the aggressive part and then chill and hope they win their end of the map when they're supposed to. Yeah. But still, making the most out of those situations is what, like I said, I think makes a great player. And that's what I'm looking at when I'm trying to push myself to do more for my team is can I get the most out of my champion, right? Can I get the most out of my matchup? Can I push as hard as I can? Can I really press that advantage? And I think this this is why a lot of people um, will struggle to rate you as an individual player because I think what you what you talk about here from your like personal philosophy is very strong, but a lot of mm. it is also very team dependent, right? You're, yeah, of course. Because you've been you've been on the show before, we've talked before, and you've always been of the mindset like, hey, if I need to go twenty CS down in a bad matchup, you know, if I die, God yeah. forbid, but my team is winning the game, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, it is inconsequential, yeah. and I feel like that philosophy, yeah. right, right, is like very team dependent. It makes it obvious while it is been very successful for you over the course of your career right like say what you want obviously you've been on a team that has been outside of the start of last split very good yeah um it also makes it very hard for me to go and for a lot of people to go like whippo going toe-to-toe with wonder perfect every time because you have these games where it's like whippo's going in what a god whippo's going in oh my god what is he doing why it's definitely uh up and down i feel like me and Haley have this in common Mm. He uh, has his own meme for it, though. Like he's he's one step ahead of me. He has his own meme. <laughs> What's well, the perks. Oh, damn it, perks. Where's my meme? I, I got the Aatrox meme. What the hell? You got the H, the Aatrox meme. Come on. Yeah, man. I got the Aatrox one trick meme. So yeah. I'm Aatrox one trick, and Hilly is Hilly shit, and Hilly sick. So I feel like Hilly won that end of the meme <laughs> meme train. I honestly like. To be fair, though, from a spectator perspective, to take it out of the analysis sphere, I would always rather have players that have two extremes than players who are like consistently inactive. That is one thing that I never want to see as a player who doesn't take risks. So, I mean, like, I think not taking risks is good if you have risk takers on your team. Mm. Like, you, you, like, like you and Hill are saying? Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> a player like Reckless and Nemesis, I don't, I don't consider them to be risk takers. And it's a good thing. Because again, if they were, then honestly, I fear for our consistency. <laughs> because me and Hilly, obviously... Uh, yeah, so <laughs> let's let's do a little bit of a of a team update. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the squad as a whole now. But before we do yeah. that, I want to know from an overall holistic perspective, kind of when we talk about G two, everyone, people like winning MSI is obviously a very big deal for Europe. People are very high yeah. on G two right now. They're like this legendary contender, and the thing that people see is like these flex picks. They're crazy. They can play it anywhere. They got this hyper aggressive style. People who aren't as observant are like. They just cheese them. People who are more observant like yourself are like, they have a, just a really insane mid-game uh, yeah. built out of kind of laning phase advantage. But when it, when it comes to like Fnatic ramping up to be uh, either a world's contender or just a European mm-hmm. contender and taking down G2, um, where where do you th- see that Fnatic identity? Like if, if you were going to s- describe in that same way that people describe G2 where it's like the crazy flex picks that make them unique, what is like the big kind of poster child strength of Fnatic that you see coming out of this team? Um, it's a good question. That's a good question. Because <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking question. for, right? I think, like, yeah. what, what's, the, what's the identity of Fnatic? Like, what is the big, big, big strength of this team? Um, hmm. Trying to think of something I can put my... 
Or what would you like it to be? If, if you don't know what it is now, like where... No, where, I mean, I have an idea of what it is, right? I feel like one of the things we're good at is, you know, you have the meme, like, take times up. Mm-hmm. And then you have the unspeakable violence meme. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's honestly not that wrong. Because I do feel like uh, me and Hilly are, like, taking time bombs in that sense. And yeah. sometimes they explode in our face. Sometimes they explode in the enemy's face. Um, but I do feel like we're, we're a team that tends to wait for the right moment and then just explode a fight, right? Like, just get yeah. in there. Let's just end this game. Like, we've been talking about engaging for a long time about how we want to do it. And Hilly's been looking the entire game and then he found it. And then we go and the game ends, right? Or like, the game doesn't end, but we win a fight, get the Baron, and then the game should end, right? And I feel like that's something that we're better at. Yeah. Um, than most teams. Because it's just, it's something that we're always looking for. I think fights is something we're always looking for, but we have enough players on our team that are level-minded to tell me and Hilly to back off and wait for the right moment. Is it an item spike? Is it this? Is it that? It doesn't matter. But um, I feel like that's where our strengths as a team come in, mm. in the sense that we have two people that are constantly looking to end the game or like make a huge play. And then there's three people, or two and a half sometimes, that are just like, yo, I need this item, or yo, I need this, and let's go. And okay, when I have this, let's just get going. Yeah. And I feel like that's our strength as a team for sure. All right, I'm going to be honest. I am so ready to be flamed by Reddit as a broadcast for bringing up this ticking time on thing because that's super, super badass. Super, so thank you for that. That's like, that's free. Like, the bomb's going to go off. We got to keep eyes. Oh, what was going in? Like, the bomb yeah, went off yeah, in his yeah, face. Yeah. It's too early. Like, this is, that is the freest broadcast I hope, I hope narrative of all yeah, time. Okay, well, maybe I, maybe I overstep my meme boundary there. Nah, I don't want to make it a meme. I, I want to, I hopefully not kill it, but I think it is a really cool way um, to look uh, at it's your just, team. It's just something that Hilly does really well. I think he's someone yeah, that, for sure. like, he's always looking for the fight. And even, like, the thing is, is one one thing people don't realize is when we're playing on stage and whatnot, Hilly's constantly talking about who to kill and when to kill, right? And that's something that, you know, it doesn't surprise anyone that he's communicating yeah. on, all right, let's go kill this guy. It's just, he has this thing where even when I'm not sure, I'm like, I don't know if we can kill this guy. He knows, right? And he's a support player, right? And this is something I don't understand. How does a support player know the damage so well in the game, right? Because this is something that I should know. Yeah. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't think we can kill that guy. And I see Hilly, and Braum is the best example. You think the champ deals no damage, right? I watch this guy play Braum, and he's taking half someone's health. And I'm just like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know? Like, he's just going in like destroying this guy on yeah. his own and then it's like okay i guess i'll walk in and take the kill i guess uh, i mean it works for me i and mean it's just like rakani is the same thing it's just he's calling oh we should kill this guy on side we should kill this guy on side and i'm like uh he's pretty fed i don't know if we can do it and then he's like no no no, no, no it's free and i'm just like all right let's go i mean and the thing is, is that i'll say on that is that pe- a lot of people have uh negative impressions of how the unicorns of love in the past have practiced as a team but mm. one thing we know that they were super focused on was very micro review yeah. of team fights and damage and if there's any team that's going to teach you how much damage a brahm is going to do it's probably it's yeah. probably uol so yeah uh, it's just it's, it's impressive really because i don't feel like this is something the support players do like very yeah. well it's like knowing when they can kill someone right they know when yeah. they can engage a fight but they don't understand how much damage the, in, in the game is possible on, on a certain target and i feel like he's always very very much right on the mark you know even in the times where it's like barely I feel like he's very good at judging, all right, we're going to kill this guy, or um, probably not. 
I feel like I'm not sure if he has a Dota background, but I feel like that's something a lot of players got from 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 Dota that they don't appreciate I'm much because sure. the scalings so. scaling's different, right? And auto attacks are just important no matter who you're playing. Yeah. Whereas I think that a lot of players when they first get into league just push their buttons and assume that's yeah, all they yeah. need to do and forget about how 50 damage can actually add up if you're hitting a people yeah, three yeah. or four times over the course of a fight. Um, but I mean, good to hear. Uh, looking at the team holistically now, I mean, in the past I know Caps was this hugely vocal member. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I, we've heard it in the comments here in the replays, this guy is constantly talking. Um, so I'm wondering, is is Hilly stepping up to fill that gap, or was Hilly, Hilly always kind of this talkative, communicative member? I mean, like, honestly, like, don't get me wrong, um, I don't feel like he's, like, taking control of the communication mm. in the sense of that much communication. It's just, like, he's very clear in, in, in giving options to the team. Like, we can, go, we can go kill that guy, or we can do this, and if not, we can just chill or wait. Um, I feel like Nemesis has been stepping up in communication a lot. Uh, together with Broxa, and I feel like that's like the biggest difference. I feel like uh, compared to the last split to now is I feel like our communication as a whole has gotten a lot better and we have a better understanding of what we want to do and how to do it. So in general, I feel like the entire team has stepped up, really. I'm, I mean, I mean props to everyone on my team, like everyone's stepping up and doing better. So. You're 6-0, you beat yeah. an, a, a theoretically undefeatable G2 uh, from an outside perspective, at least how it's Yeah, how it so I, in general, I think we just had a good, uh, we just, I had a really good off season in the sense that we got got our shit together, if you want to put it yeah. that way, and just talk to each other about well, what needs to be done. Coaching staff set some some good examples and and what we want from the team and whatnot. Like extra office hours, make sure we're more with the team together, and I feel like it's all paying off. So, uh, just need to keep it up, and hopefully, it will. Uh, work out for the rest work of the split, out. really. Like that's, that's what we're looking for, right? We, we do want to have uh, a good split, right? And again, I don't talk about 18-0 because I don't feel like that's something, that, that's the lesson I learned from last split. Mm. Um, the lesson I learned from last split was get every win you can get, right? Yeah. Focus on so every single you, you're game. You're sure. no more like big, long-term, big picture goals. You're no, just kind of no, keeping like, focus again, on what's like, in front of you. Yeah, of course, we want to hit first, right? We want to get first. We want to get second for sure. Like this is... A guarantee and obviously first is the way to go right we want to be first we want to have the mental advantage even you could say going into the into the playoffs but no matter what you have to make sure that you get every single win because even last split you know if we won that one game against sk or whatever and, and the, all games that were winnable against vitality or mm. any of these games in week one or two even we might have been able to play a tiebreaker against og and then potentially been able to tiebreak for second place and then it looked completely different. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys, I think, I like that you're having a, like kind of a more humble, more reserved approach. I think you've you've had, obviously, just kind of like a wild up and down career experience on Fnatic, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, because there was the period in time where you and Brox were here and it was like very emotional, very tough. And then there was just like three months prior to that, right before you guys were going to Worlds where you're like, yeah. literally, me and Hillisang, Best bot lane. No one can touch us. We're like untouchable. <laughs> We're the best. Everything is amazing. We're uh, taking everybody on. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I felt that way because I feel like, honestly, um, when you have a really strong support player, it's, it's easy to be really confident, I think. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is why Perks has a lot of confidence too. And it, it definitely stems from the fact that the guy you're laning with, you know he's, he's, he's the shit. You know? Yeah. He's the shit. I People mean, have to respect this guy. If they don't, you're just going to end up killing them somehow. That's how I felt when I was playing with Hilly, is especially in lanes where he had like the the control. Yeah. Uh, Zyra Khan is one, right? Everyone was like, oh, you know, I remember this specific game where everyone was flaming G2 for banning Zaya uh, instead of Vladimir. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure people remember, might not remember that game. I do, of course, because it was Cause one of were, my best Because you were games. practicing Zaya. It was one of my best Vladimir <laughs> games. Um, but yeah, uh, I was practicing Zaya, and when I was playing Zaya, I would get double digit kills, right? Um, in scrims and in solo queue and whatnot. And I felt like I was doing nothing. 
Haley would just tell me, press W, and I would give him the buff, and then I would get in range, and then I would root them, and they would die. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty nice. Like, uh, that, that seems rather unbalanced. Yeah, let me know if uh, Haley needs to do a partner. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> I feel like I was just following his lead, and every time I messed up or whatever, we would just talk about it. And I feel like that's just... Having that t- type of, like... Synergy is something yeah. like it's something that's just really nice, and it gives you so much confidence in the sense that it doesn't matter what lane we're going to play, as long as we focus on ourselves and do what we know is right, we're going to be able to compete against anyone. Yeah. So, from from your perspective now as an individual, um, things things have been like good, right? Like, Soaz is no longer in the picture, but I do want to very briefly kind of go back, right? Because obviously yeah. for a long time you were you were fighting for your spot essentially, and there were <laughs> there were some like obviously like we're gonna play so as in these situations we'll play both yeah. in these situations, um, and I from everything you've told me it doesn't feel like it was that combative. But do you feel like a difference in your motivation as an individual in the context of this team mm-hmm. now that you don't have a player behind you? Um, I mean honestly, like I told my coaching staff this already, and if they could find a suitable substitute or even starting player that was better or, you know, could be better than me, I, I fully support that, honestly. I don't see the point why I would restrict my team from getting a player that's better yeah. than me, right? Um, I do want my team to win, and I fully support the fact that they that we're aiming for the first place. We're trying to be the best team in Europe, and if that takes getting a new guy in, I don't see why I should be the guy to be to have the ego to say no. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. If If they put in some guy that obviously wasn't going to cut it, I would have no problem with it, but I also would expect them not to have expectations that were silly, right? Yeah. I wouldn't want to share scrim time with someone that was clearly not as good as me, right? This is the this is the, the type of mutual respect mm-hmm. that I would expect if I had a substitute. Yeah. And in the case that I disagreed with them, I would want to have a, a good personal chat with, with, with Joey and with the coaching staff in general of understanding, okay, if this guy, in my opinion, is clearly worse, why is it that he's still getting scrim time is, is how it would work for me. Last year, obviously, we didn't have that problem, right? I had no problem sharing time with Soaz because there was obvious benefits to playing Soaz, yeah. right? In that sense, I never had a problem with sharing, but I was also the guy to come in, right? I was the sixth guy. Yeah. So my expectations at the start of the year, I've said this before, was I'm going to go sit in a corner and wait. for like six months or like X amount of Soaz months and grind solo queue. <laughs> no, no, not even. Like X amount of solo queue and then one day I'll get a scrim, you know? Yep. Um... Since they they basically two, I think I got scrims uh, one game a day, and it helped me build into the team and, and helped me be the player the team needed me to be. In the sense that I was able to just have an unbiased look on okay, what does the team need and what does my coaching staff want from a top liner? And that's I think the biggest strength I had last year, which is again something that I would absolutely love to have this year. Right? If I could just see some other guy play, and I'm like okay he's playing these champions and this is not working out or he's playing those champions and this is how my team wants me to play them, it would be much better, right? Because even right now, let's say I'm playing Aatrox, right? Mm-hmm. I'm having great games on Aatrox. It keeps working. I'm not going to look at Aatrox and be like, maybe my team doesn't need this type of champion, right? Yeah. Maybe it'd be better if I was playing, let's say, Gangplank, right? And I was trying to support my team or Shen or whatever, right? Uh, when you have the, an extra guy playing, then it's not as much as dependent on you playing a certain champion really well and making it work. It's more, you have a bigger sample size and less personal bias to it. I'm always, I'm never going to tell my my team like, oh, you know, I think this champion is really good because I'm just really good at this champion. I'm always going to be like, okay, it works for us, right? And this is kind of the Aatrox story from last split. It's just, yeah. uh, if I got it, I would play it because it was just a champion I was good at. It was a champion I was comfortable with. But now that I think back, and even during the best of five, I asked my team, I'm like, guys, against OG is like is Aatrox really that good like is that what we really need right now 
and everyone told me Aatrox is not the problem. Um, and I'm still not sure. Was it the problem or not? Yeah. Should I have played this type of champion? Well, even if it wasn't series? a problem, was it like the, actually the exactly. best pick you could have Exactly, was it the best I, we could have done? Mm. Um, and I feel like having a substitute puts this way more into perspective and allows you to understand that further than a personal bias. So so for you, if there was a suitable person, yeah. um, ego and starting aside, do you f- so it would help your development, you feel like, having Absolutely. a person beside you? Like, for sure. I think, if anything, if the guy's better than me, I'm learning from him. Yeah. And if he's not, then he can either point out things that I'm not doing perfectly or not doing right, yeah. or I can do better. And it also makes me, you know, it forces you to pay attention to the small things more as well, right? Mm. You can't just get away with, like, for example not communicating teleports. Like something yeah. as small as this, right? Like if, if, if there's a substitute and, and this guy is like perfect in communicating teleport and your team is like, that's really nice, right? Like we always know what the teleport situation is. Then I'm going to be like, oh, I probably should do that too. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, Whereas now thing. it's something that like floats, right? It's like, oh, you know, one game I forget about it, let's say, and they're like, oh, well, we didn't know what the TP situation was. So I didn't really, you know, that was kind of annoying. You should fix that, right? And then it floats a bit, right? Yeah. Uh, you fix it or you don't. Yeah, but if there's a substitute and this guy without fail does this, even if he's worse at everything else, your team is going to catch on to that. They're going to be like, you know what, this guy, he makes sure we know. So I want you to do the same thing. And that's like an example of one of the small things where it's like, even if this guy is just strictly worse than you, he can still give you something that your team can appreciate. And it's on you to implement that into your game strategy. Yeah. And I mean, I think I totally understand that on just like, we run in the same thing as casting, where you forget little fundamental things where you're diligent. And I think competition does, yep. uh, you know, as much as we are totally As long like, as it's healthy. As long as it's healthy. Agree. Can obviously um, <laughs> be unhealthy. And now I swear to God, I'm not trying to trap you in anything. But let's talk about the, the Brock Sedan situation. <laughs> I got you. No, yeah, I swear. I swear this wasn't just a giant lead up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. Just, it's just okay. like, I think it's a thing that's on a lot of people's mind. And I yeah. know that... Um, from what I've from what I've heard, from what I've watched, uh, you know, in Life of Legends and across, it seems like Dan is contributing greatly in scrims. Yep. Um, it seems like things are generally going well from him. From what we've seen on stage, hasn't been good. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is what is not you as a representative fanatic, but from from the Whippo perspective, like what you, what have, right. what have you seen that's gone down? Why do you think this has come into fruition? Um, you know, what is what is your perspective on the whole Broxa having a, a sixth man now behind him? Um, I was for it. Yeah. Right? I told Broxa that I fully support him and I I don't see a reason to replace him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, if anything, um, there would be a minimum of one more split, right? Yeah. Like, if anything, I don't think one split is enough to justify benching a person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I even told him myself, you know, like, again, if even if I bench me next year, I expect this split. I want to, to be able to prove that I still got it, right? Yep. Sure, spring split was not good. We undershot. Uh, we just weren't as good as we wanted to be, as we needed to be. And third place was not what we were, where we wanted to be. So in that sense, we messed up on the results end. Now, with that said, um, I don't think a change was bad. And I don't think bringing more players into your team is a bad thing. Mm. I was for a six-man roster because, again, if anything, he will be able to add something good. The problem was is that he was somewhat the only suitable member. Yeah. That was kind of the problem. Um, not, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, again, the coaching staff was looking at a top-line substitute. Okay. We just didn't find anyone. So you always wanted a six-man. It was just kind of a question of where it was going to go. Exactly. And Jungle like was we the only option. Six, seven, even. Okay. It's just, so it wasn't even like, if Jungle wasn't the problem, Yeah. it was just, look, this is the only role we can potentially get someone, mm-hmm. and we can see if 
swapping a jungler makes any difference, right? Yeah. Because again, from our perspective, results were bad. Yeah. And even if Broxa wasn't the problem, which I personally don't think he was, sure, he could have played better. Everyone could have played better. That's just the way it is. Ultimately, that was the only replacement that was suitable, right? It was the only substitute that was suitable and close enough in skill that we could find and wouldn't destroy the team atmosphere completely, yeah. right? Because you have to remember that is that certain players obviously don't take well to that. Yeah. You have to remember that if you put someone in and take someone out, someone may not want to come back. Or if they do, they do it because they have to. Yeah, and I mean, it's a difficult, difficult yeah, always. In to general, share. it is difficult, right? And, and ultimately, I think in terms of personal skill or a personal skill level, I don't think any of our players on our team are in any way or form replaceable. I think we have top-of-the-line players in every single role individually. And at that point, it's a matter of, let's see if mixing and matching will make any difference whatsoever in performance, or it will help us understand our team further. And that's what we tried to accomplish with putting in Dan. Again, if we found a top laner that was, in our eyes, suitable to be like a suitable replacement to me, we would have. It was just the difference between all the players we could find, as well as other factors that mm -hmm. were calculated in, Dan made the most sense. So let's uh, talk a little bit about Dan. Obviously, I think um, the people who are not excited about Dan being there will take the two games from Rift Rivals and hold them against him. He had an okay Jarvan game. He had a, he had a pretty rough uh, Rek'Sai game. But yeah. ultimately, I don't think it's a big enough sample size to draw any major conclusions. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, what's your perspective from behind the scenes? He talked uh, in Life of Legends about how he feels like uh, he's offering a lot of kind of supporting insight. Do you feel like he's kind of in that role? Sure. Like, again, I feel like I, I can see what I was doing last year in, in resemblance. I can, I can see myself yeah. uh, in, in the way he's trying to support his team, and I think it's a very positive thing, and I think he's doing that job really well. I just feel like there's too big of a gap in performance on stage, mm. which is ultimately the crux of being a substitute. I had yeah. this too last year. Is Again, can you really bet against the guy with the history? Is that a wise choice? But it's Fnatic, not. to be fair, Fnatic took that bet in a lot of situations. Now they were forced to take that bet in playoffs, but then when it came into the next split and Reckless came back, they did opt to to kind of... Yeah, but I feel like at that point, experience kind of already grew on me because I played a whole tournament, right? Mm, I sure. played an entire international tournament because I had to. And at that stage, you know, uh, it was a matter of comfort, right? Because ultimately, I had the advantage. I was playing comfort champions that were stronger against people that were playing comfort champions that were weaker, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> in that sense, it's not like I, I I played something like I played against people that didn't really know what my like what what they were expecting. To be yeah. honest with you, so yeah, they did. But honestly, but also situation kind yeah, of exactly. Like, itself and honestly, half our strategy was having Hilly play on the op opposite, like on a different lane entirely. So, <laughs> was I really bot laning, <laughs> like, or was I just playing top lane against two people? Bit of both. Bit of both. You know, like it, it worked both ways. It's interesting. All right. Well, the, I mean, if if the gap the gap is there, which is I think sounds unfortunate, because obviously Brock's have voiced publicly kind of his frustrations. Obviously, he said he's like, look, at the end of the day, I get the decision. I'm gonna I'm gonna work for it. Um, so I hope to see that be like a healthy competition. Do yeah. you feel like that environment? Do you feel like the environment is in a good place right now? Do you feel like it's ninety percent, eighty percent? I mean, like I think we're getting there, but I think communication is like a vital point in having mm -hmm. a substitute. And I feel like this is where we're somewhat messing up, personally. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go into detail because I don't feel like that's something that is 
justifiable for my teammates. Like, yeah, I mean, just, I think fair. I enough think communication between the substitute, the player, and the coaching staff needs to be rock solid. Yeah, you need to know one hundred percent what you're expecting when you're expecting it, and it's something we're working on. I've voiced my opinion on that. Um, I'm trying to chime in and make sure everyone feels comfortable. Yeah, and obviously my personal bias, right, as to who I prefer playing with and and when and whatnot. And, you know, if we want to make a six-man roster work and, and, and get more out of Dan, what I think we need to do to make that work and whatnot is all things I've communicated, right? And whether I'm right or wrong is what we'll see, right? It's a decision yeah. ultimately the coaching staff makes. I can't make that decision for them. I'm not, I don't have the, really the qualifications, if you will. Also, yeah, that should be, it shouldn't be made. By exactly. You. At the end of the so day, if it's Whippo made I this just, choice, yeah, exactly. it's going to feel really weird. I just chime in. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, this isn't this. And then, you know, if you need me, I'll be here. But I'm still focusing on myself. I want to make sure I'm doing it right. I'm doing what I need to be doing uh, to be performing. Because again, I feel like I'm on the right path. Yeah. Fortunately for us this <laughs> summer. So I hope I can just remain um, diligent and focus on me. Yeah. Speaking of, if you have any good ideas for Whippo memes, positive, we need one good version of Whippo and one bad version of Whippo. Similar to, what is it? What was, what are the hills saying once again? Oh, yeah. Hilly sick I remember, and I remember craps and, there's craps and claps, obviously, which is yeah. the calves. Hilla shit and Hilla. Sick. Hilla sick. There you go. I we don't think one, there's any ones for me. You can think. Well, someone out there is a creative genius and we'll think mm, of one we'll for find you. It. We'll find out. Um, Two, two more questions on the subject, and then we'll move on All to right. our last portion of the day, which many people have submitted their OPGs for. So I'm doing OPG for, reviews? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to do some, some quick reviews. People have asked for specific things. Advice, flame, we'll get All to right. it in a second. Um, overall, uh, right now, do you feel like you guys learned a lot last split? You, yeah. It feels like you personally have grown a lot, and it sounds like the team yes. is generally getting better. There's obviously some tension with the Dan situation, but that's understandable. Um, if uh, Fnatic starts to lose, if things start to go south, mm-hmm. if you start to lose games, do you feel like you've learned enough from last season not to kind of go into the spiral that we saw you guys mm-hmm. going into? Or are you worried with this like new tension of having a sixth man that like things mm-hmm. could get pretty intense pretty quickly if you guys start to lose games? Um, hmm. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it depends on how it impacts people. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately... It's not that hard to get out of the spiral. You just focus on one simple fact. Play good League of Legends. <laughs> you honest say that. It God. took you a while to get out of the spiral last split. But, but. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Because honestly, I felt like the focus was not on playing good League of Legends. Yeah. The focus was on different factors, on different things. Um, the attention gets diverted, right? Ultimately, if I'm focused on playing good League of Legends, if, if Brox is focused on playing good League of Legends, if Nemesis is focused on playing good League of Legends, and so forth for the whole team then we're going to play a good League of Legends. And this is a philosophy that I've been trying to follow is the sense that, yes, when I'm playing a competitive game, I can rely on my teammates to tell me what's going on, but I can also, much like solo queue ask, see what they're doing myself and respond accordingly myself and then communicate how I'm going to respond accordingly. It works both ways. And I think ultimately, to make a be- the best possible team, you have five players that are doing this. Now, the communication needs to be very clear and you need to agree on what you're doing. But I don't think a team where people don't want to take responsibility where, let's say, for example, I die top lane because, you know, I'm like, okay, I want to contest here. I'm going to contest. Can you be here? Right? And the answer is floundered or whatnot or miscommunication. Then it is a shared responsibility, in my opinion, on Broxa to tell me no. But ultimately, it comes down to me. Yeah. I should have been able to see 
that he wasn't coming. So I stopped trading or I stopped doing I stopped doing whatever I was doing or I back off. Much like, you know, let's say I'm looking for an engage and I see that my teammates are not ready to follow up. It's on me not to make that engage rather than be like, I was communicating, I wanted to engage and no one was there to follow me up. Yeah. Yes, I can be like that. And yes, we will learn something and our team will be able to grow stronger because of it. But in the end, I have a minimap, I have a camera, I can look for myself before I engage. Is it hard? Sometimes, yes. Still, that minimum of responsibility is an ownership I feel like every player has to take. The same goes for every role, every player, everywhere, because that's how you're getting better individually. When you're doing things that you're not supposed to be doing, you are doing more than you're supposed to be, right? Yeah. And that's what makes you exceptional. If you are taking into account your players, like the players on your team's decisions, as well as everybody else's, you are responding to the game. You are playing that specific game. You are making decisions based on what's happening in that moment. You're not waiting or expecting something. You're just, you see, you react, you make the right play. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> right. And like, that's, the, that's the learning curve, right? Making the right decisions when you're playing is obviously what you need to be able to do. But this is what I think is peak performance. Man. <laughs> Hello. Someone clipped the speech out. Someone clipped the speech out. That's like the greatest, once again, solo queue rallying anthem I've ever heard. Also, I honestly, I just... It works in competitive too. I like, I like the philosophy of individual ownership, of taking responsibility, because I do think that like even you see it in solo queue, and it doesn't surprise me that it echoes its way into pro play as well, because I mean, for the longest time when I was really bad at League of Legends, I was the guy flaming the jungler. I was <laughs> yeah, the guy yeah. like, why isn't my support trading better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that just doesn't get you anywhere ultimately. I mean, like uh, like I'm saying, right? It's easy to be like, oh, why didn't my, like, oh, I needed my jungler here to unfreeze this wave. Why didn't he come to unfreeze it, right? Well, again, it's shared responsibility at that point. I, I Like, I don't want to hear my jungler tell me, oh, but you should have told me. It's like, yes, I should have. I agree with you, but you should also take responsibility because you could have seen it too. This is what I want. Yeah. Right, and this is something that I I'm trying to get you know I, I want people to understand because this is how we both get better. And then it isn't about the team, me or you. It's all three. We're all getting better, right? The team's getting better. You're getting better. I'm getting better. Perfect. Nice. We're getting the is. most out of the situation. And now, ladies and gentlemen, one thank you both for your insight into Fnatic. Uh, <laughs> now we get to share your wonderful insight with the the masses out there in Solo Queue. Thank you to everyone who submitted their op.gg. Um, some of you have requested specific things. I'll move the laptop so we can both see. All right. Let's see what we can do. Move this beautiful Alienware laptop to the center of the... Uh, oh, God. There you go. It does look nice. It is an absolute beefcake, though, Whippo. That's what I'll say. It is powerful, and it is... Uh, yeah. I like Am I a little lights. intimidated about it? I'm moving the microphone, too. I'm sorry, headphone users. Okay, so... <laughs> This is the problem, is that we're kind of positioned far away. But So we have right. a bunch of people. I asked you to submit your OPGG. I promise only unhelpful advice. Um, but this first person, shout-outs to you. My God, I have to lean over to read this. All right. We have not positioned ideally, team. And I just accidentally closed Twitter. <laughs> All right. We're just going to say your league name. I'm sorry if you have a different Twitter handle. And no, OPGG, I don't need your notifications. At Gatto, he has a Dignitas icon from season three. Respectable. That's, that's commitment. Um, Gatto wanted, he said, I think roast me daddy was his exact tweet quote. I see. So what, let's, let's dive in. I'm moving closer again. Sorry, camera guys. We might have to be on the wide for the rest of this one. All right. So first off, for those of you in podcast land, let's look only at rank solo. Let's look only recently. Yeah, one, you 
play a lot of brand, which I feel like is already questionable. But you you have a 67% yeah, win I mean, rate he's on winning. brand. He's winning doing it. I mean, honestly... This guy, I don't feel like this guy actually plays support, though. So he's clearly a support main, but I don't think he actually is interested in playing support, given that he has a Zanya's and a Leandri's in bot lane. I mean, honestly, like, when you're at that MMR, you might as well. Like, oh, like you might as well just be an AP carry, because I don't think anyone is, like, smart enough to stop you from being an AP carry. So you might as well just abuse the fact that you're an AP carry. <laughs> I feel like you're going to piss off a ton of... <laughs> no, but that's it. I feel like, <laughs> like, you know, he plays Lee Sin and Warwick, I see, you know, and I feel like maybe you should take the blindfold off when you're going into queue, <laughs> because I don't think you should be queuing jungle, considering <laughs> considering he's winning about 40% more of his games when he plays support, so... Maybe hundred percent win rate on wait no hundred percent support presence recently fifty five percent win rate yeah I mean he's doing better right I mean I feel like like this is what I don't understand when I was climbing like it's really simple for me I would check my OPG just like this right and I'm like okay I have a like this guy has a sixty seven percent win rate on brand sixty percent on Morgana and then sixty five on Karma and then you think you're funny playing Thresh Lee Sin and Warwick and it's just like why Thresh is at forty four percent like okay by the way. look don't get me wrong if you want to just int it like. <laughs> I'm sure there's a different queue for that. Like, if you want to learn new champions, <laughs> fine by me. You know, like, I was the exact same. I, season three, I played 1,500 games of solo queue. I was grinding for my life, and I played right about every champion, right? I was really, like, I, I wasn't really interested. I was just playing for fun. But if you're actually trying to climb, which I imagine this person's trying to do, maybe he's not, right? Yeah, maybe he's not. He got plat at one point. He wants to get I mean, back he, to plat. I mean, he dropped, he dropped, right? He but, dropped. Yeah, 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 but... Let's be real here. Why don't you just play Brand, Morgana, and Karma, considering you're winning playing those champions? I agree. Gadow, that's your advice. That and probably, and, you know, get a Fnatic icon since Bopo's here to give you advice. Oh, oh this guy's Fnatic one, icon. Pudum Flan. Pudum Flan. I, that's probably something in another language. I apologize for not, Or it's just random gibberish. This is hard. This is where I don't actually know. Pudum Flan. <laughs> We're going to go rank solo here. All right. First, first observation, Mr. Flan, is that I noticed that your ranked 5v5 flex stats are fantastic and you're high elo and flex you have an 82 percent win rate on sivir with nice. 11 games played but when we tip over your solo queue stats we go right down to 58 percent, and your kda is like cut in half nice are you sir getting carried in flex queue that would be my first question to you could be could be the case i mean the first thing i noticed is the dirty lux abuser and again if you want to get lp i mean by all means for some reason the champion still hasn't gotten nerfed so just, just pick Don't it. Tell Riot. Just Bill pick it. Loves it. It's great. It's oh, this champion is so disgusting. Oh, I, I get so triggered. Oh, oh, just oh. you already revealed to the some Riot. Guy, I think it was some guy. I was like, okay, when you're trying to kill someone next to Lux, it feels like you're trying to kill three people at the same time, and it feels exactly like that. It was the best description I've ever heard of trying to kill someone with Lux next to them. Like it feels like you're trying to kill three champions. Like they're, it's so disgusting. This champion is straight disgusting. He does have a 67% win rate from Lux for the record. And I mean, I'm surprised KDA. it's only that high. Like, that's what I'm saying. You know, like this champion is just straight unbalanced. Malzahar is also in the right direction. You know, just press a button, kill people. So do you, want, do you want more do. AD carry or do you want more like support probably Lux? give up on Ezreal though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel like that, that's working out for you. <laughs> Poor Putin Flam. 0-6 on Ezreal. Stick to being a l- dirty Lux abuser. I think is the lesson here. I mean, Zaya, Zaya winner was good. No, was that the guy? Yeah, Zaya, Zaya, I don't know. Zaya, I just accidentally think, closed uh, it. We're doing uh, Whatever. It's fine. Rowan, our first diamond player. Rowan, oh. avid contributor, tried to link someone else's OPGG, and now we're looking at... All right, that's an Aurelia jungle game. Let's get into the ranked. That's that's not what we want to see. No, he all doesn't right, even one, play the game. Don't play, play ranked, Rowan. Yeah, start playing the game. Play, I mean, play ranked. Probably, you have one probably, Mordekaiser jungle game in your history right now. I think he tried to abuse and get some OP, but didn't really work out for him. No, it did not. Six or nine, eight, and three... Jesus Christ. I mean, don't get like, 
<laughs> you lost to Kane? I love Kane, but Kane's not a good team. Um, honestly, I don't think he's terrible. Anyway. Anyway, let's. you can tell me about your Airy Kane top. That was the first conversation we ever had, was that you told me about Airy yes. Kane top. And Actually, it was super I don't viable. think he is that bad with Conquer right now. If you have a good matchup, you could probably play. Right. <laughs> you could probably play. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing it, but I'm saying you can probably. I know Ta- you're talking a few jungle. months you're talking ago, right now. a few months ago, Chovy was playing it in Korean solo queue, and he was doing quite well. I think it's good in the Kane tanks. Top. No one's going to put Kane top. He was playing it against Irelia and whatnot, and he was actually pooping on people. So just throwing it out there might be a thing for you. Anyway, that said, this guy should probably re-roll his role completely. Uh, I don't think Eddie Carey is the way to go. Don't get me wrong. Eddie Carey's don't feel good to play at all right now. Like, I agree 100%. Um, I don't think they're in a great spot as of right now. Because for, con- for context, he has, like, an insane amount of Eddie Carey games played. Sorry, Roman. Yes, and his win rate is... Win rate is... Not what it needs to be. Not so good. But the um, Vladimir win rate is quite high, so maybe more Vladimir. Maybe it's Vladimir bot, maybe it's Vladimir autofill, and he's just abusing a champion. I don't know. But <laughs> my point is, is just let, let, let's just try and leave AD carry for when the, cha- when the role is irrelevant in the game past the four-item point. Because I, I think that's the problem right now with AD carry is it just feels really bad. Yeah. Like, the games where people walk into you and you get to do what you want, it feels kind of good because you deal a lot of damage. Don't get me wrong, AD carries do deal damage right now. I don't feel like the problem is that they don't. I feel like the problem is more that... They don't have much influence on the game other than killing minions. Which, you know, if killing minions and towers and and um, neutral objectives, that's what I was looking Ooh, for, yeah. is your goal in life. You should probably just play a jungler that does that and kill champions. <gasps> you could do both. 80 carry players. Oh. Play Twitch jungle. Be toxic. Gank at level 2. That's my advice. What? <laughs> you can gank level 2 on every champion in the game. People just don't do it. <laughs> Sir Nukes a lot. Sir Nukes a lot submitted his oh. OPGG to be reviewed. Now, XLCS, isn't he? XLCS. You oh. may remember him from the game where Caps killed the Zyra like 13 times on Zoe. Oh. That was Mr. Nukes a lot. Oh, I will it. notice that there's no Zyra yeah. in your uh, ranked history. I feel like that might have been a traumatic experience. It would have been funny if he got one game in of Zyra, <laughs> just, just for the memes. <laughs> All right, I see a lot of. Pretend this isn't Sir Nukes a lot. Pretend you don't know this is former LCS. Right. I believe current, um, currently playing in in the German league. Right. Uh, already, I see a lot of glacial augment Tom Kench. I'm assuming he's hex flash abusing, and he's just gonna hex flash. What on hex people. flash? You don't know. Of you, course. You flash on him level yes, one. I know. And then you hex flash on him every time after that, and they will eventually die. Aha. Uh-huh. I, I see can't how see it is. You can if you press builds. I think. Oh, there you go. You're really smart. I'm pretty sure. There we go. Scroll down. Nope. Boots. Nah, but... Boots? Boots? Nuke. Where is the aggressive player who's going to leap in? You have so many Alistair. One, you die a lot. You die a lot. Well, his KDA is pretty good, no? What? what? Seven deaths? I don't know. What What do you look no, for? No, I mean, on average, his KDA is good, no? His average is KDA is and good. He's a KDA player, no? Yeah, is he a KDA player? Oh, K- look, look at his KDAs. He's, that, that, that's They're all, KDA player. all about four. They're all green or blue if you're an OPG yeah. fan. I'm a gray KDA warrior. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I have gray KDA. That. I wouldn't be surprised if you way. and Hillisang are both gray KDA warriors. I'm a gray KDA warrior. <laughs> Ever have, I've always have been. I just, I don't know. I just run it down, I guess. All right. So Nick Slot is our, is our final one um, since we're out of time. So well, let, let me have a quick, quick discussion. Let's scroll up. I do feel like the champions that require fingers aren't quite working out. I feel like the champion. Well, to be fair, he's got somewhat. He's got yeah, but fifty-three percent. Is that really working out? His most successful is Braum. I don't. I'd love to say this right now. If you're a support player and you want to enter LCS and your two big picks are Tom Kench and Braum, 
I mean, Tom Kenny's just good. Tom Kenny's just good. They're both good champions, man. But, like, I want mm. players who know how to push limits. And while you've just described testing to me how limits. Hill is saying... Is testing limits. Test your limits. Play Great KDA Warrior. Stuff. No, I mean, again, I don't see there's anything wrong with his OPGG. I just think that the champion pool is a bit outdated. I think he's playing comfort champions more than pressing new champions. I feel like Nautilus is also a comfort champion for a lot of players because he's mm. like a champion that comes back here now and then. And you don't really forget how to play Nautilus, right? Nope. Um, but I feel like, you know, uh, the lack of Pike and Rakan. I mean, again, Pike is a bit of a niche pick, but Rakan definitely a champion you need to master because I feel like when this champion is in the meta, he's one of the most disgusting champions oh, in the always, game. Oh, always, yeah. And he's almost always going to crawl his way back. So I think Rakan is just a big... Like, honestly, half the reason why G2 and Fnatic are the strongest teams is because they have some really sick support players that are really good at playing these big playmakers. So I feel like... If you want to be able to compete with those guys, you got to grind a lot of those, like a lot of those playmakers. And honestly, we've heard rumors of the Bard, right? Is he coming back? Is it a champion? Please, um, it's possible. I think he's not a bad champion right now. I'm not not sure where he stands, but I I think that this type of like this type of meta is is really good because support players will be able to shine. But it also feels really bad to play because Jesus Christ, these champions are disgusting. <laughs> Like, Bart takes, like, half your health on his own at level, level like, five. one. Like, a level Q five? Electrocute. Yeah, but, like, you're, like, level seven to level five, right? And this guy just, like, or whatever he does. Yeah. And just, you just feel like a truck hit you. And then you're just, like, what the? Yo, that's really not balanced. So, I, like, it just feels really bad to play. Not to mention his Q is, like, the most annoying mechanic. I'm not going to say anything other than that, but it feels really bad. All I'll say is it's coded it correctly, but when it feels like it stuns you and it's BS, it's coded that way. It's, yeah. You're just wrong. You're, if you're flashing after really the Q is... Yeah, yeah, no, not even that. It's just like sometimes the walls don't really, you know, it feels bad. <laughs> no, but uh, I think he's a great champion. Um, it's just, I, I think that the support meta right now is going in that direction. And I think in general, if you want solo queue, for sure, you should play champions like this because they're they're really strong. You're doing with your your... Your, I'm assuming lane partner in Kedui, and uh, if that's how you pronounce his name, I have no idea. I've been potentially butchering it. And you're playing Tom Kent Ezreal. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nuke is the only pro player, I think, to submit. Although a lot of people did submit like random pro player GG. Yeah. They submitted Faker. They submitted oh. Broxa. They're like, can you help me with my Silas, please? Apparently, Broxa doesn't have a great win rate. All I'll say is, one... If you want to play Tom Kent, put a hex flash on that bad boy. Free boots are great, but please just kill people in lane. This champion does so I mean, much damage. I don't, I don't like free boots. I would do a stopwatch usually because I feel like when I'm playing Tom Kent top lane, yes, I have indulged in the abuse. Um, I just like having my tier two boots early, you know, and run someone down and make him feel miserable. Like, cause that's sh that shit's disgusting, man. Like, oh my god, as post velocity you hit the tongue lash, it, it just it just feels dirty. It just doesn't feel right. It does not feel right. Like. <laughs> I think, honestly, if they want to balance this champion, just make it so you can't refresh your stacks with Tongue Lash only. Yeah. I think that's a really important deal. Um, I mean, in general, it's just hard to balance the champion's kit. Because I feel like they, they went into the right direction with this ultimate to make it not a thing until level 11, really. Yep. Um, that, that, like, stopped his really oppressive mid-game. Because, mm -hmm. like, after level 6, even if you were a support, you didn't you had a global ult, basically. Whereas now it's like... It's like a baby ult. Like, it's like... No, like, bad Rise ult and Rise ult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like Rise ult is already not very good, and then now yeah, it's, like, it's, it's mad, right? Like, it, there's counterplay. Like, if you see him coming, like, <laughs> at least you know when, what's happening, right? So I feel like they went in the right direction with the ultimate, but right now his power in trading just feels really unfair. So abuse it. Maybe play top Just in general, I feel like great health mechanic is really stupid. I've, Pike has it as well, right? It just feels really, really bad to play against champions that you feel like you're killing, but you're really not. 
So in that sense, he doesn't regen as much. So thank God for that. Thank God they changed that a while ago. But I feel like Great Health is just a really shitty mechanic to play against. I don't mm -hmm. like it at all. Like, I know it's his thing. I know it's Pike's thing, but can we not? Oh, all right, that's a for, formal, formal balance request. Damage would like to feel permanent. Nerf yes, healing, yes. nerf weird shielding. Yes, healing as well, and shielding as well. Like, Lux, please, can you stop? Like, just stop. <laughs> it's a desperate plea. Yeah. All right, Whippo, thank you for coming on. This has been episode four, season four of the Euphoria podcast. Uh, if you want your OP Judge EG reviewed, uh, maybe we'll do, I'll do a few more afterwards. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. Whippo's playing Splice and Vitality this week. Yes. You can catch them Friday, Saturday, respectively. Uh, and we'll see you guys for week four of the LEC. See you.